everybody. Hi there, welcome back. I'm Larry. I'm Emily. This is our little channel, Planet and God, um, where we are going through right now our gospel reading challenge before Christmas. So if you've caught us in the middle here, we are in the Gospel of John. We're on day 12 of our reading challenge. Happens to be John chapter 12. And if you're following us in order, in the year of our Lord 2023, it is now December 12. Isn't that a cool mixture right there? Um, but if not, that's perfectly fine. You can catch up. All of our old videos are on the channel in the Gospel of John uh, playlist. Go check that out and follow us along as we dive in through do it. Okay, so chapter 12. Got any pre-thoughts? I do not. My only pre-thought is in verse 1. We see that it is now six days before the Passover. Six days before the death of Jesus Christ. Yeah, what I thought was really interesting about this chapter, well this particular area, is that um, we're like halfway through. Yeah. And the rest of the book is all John just like that's all that time frame. Right, John is focusing in and honing in on a lot of the conversations in the last few days of Jesus's life. What's really crazy is you have Jesus; his public ministry was three years. Our gospel accounts only contain seventy-five to eighty days of those three years. And John spends a more than half, almost half of his account on just the last six days alone. Yep. So that's what the rest of the book is going to be focusing on is these, like the last week. Yeah. Um, and then a little after that too. Yeah. Because we get his resurrection. We get his resurrection, yeah. So. But it's, it's very well condensed. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. a little fun fact. It is. <laughs> we have the... After verse 1, do you get anything else? <laughs> after verse 1, we get into chapter, or verses 2 through 8, where we have Mary and Martha serving dinner, and Lazarus is there. We just saw Lazarus come back to life. Now he's at the dinner table, showing he's actually alive. He's going to eat some food. And we have Mary walking in with this alabaster or container of ointment or perfume yeah this particular story is so important um in regards to um judas yes because without this account we might not understand why judas turns his back yeah on jesus but this is also very important for mary and what she does to jesus right it gives a better picture of this last week of Jesus's life. And it shows the understanding that Mary has for what is actually going to happen. She knows what's going to happen and that's why she's doing this. She's taking this bottle of ointment that would have been expensive and precious to her, right? This is something that cost, uh, Judas says it, 300 silver coins or 300 denarii. That is a year's salary mm -hmm. to, to purchase. It's, it's expensive, it's precious, as I said, 
and she would have been saving this for her wedding night, right? Because they didn't take baths all the time, so they would anoint themselves with this perfume so they smell good on the wedding night. You gotta smell good on that night, and then the rest of it, you can just go downhill from there, right? Oh my goodness. Okay. But uh, we have Mary anointing the feet with Jesus and using her hair to wipe it. And then Judas becomes outraged with this waste, right? She's wasting this expensive thing. Uh, in Judas's response and John's commentary, we see his motivation that Judas was cons not concerned with the poor, but a thief. Yep. I also noted he was selfish, which doesn't say that in there, but you don't well, it is. need to, right? You don't yeah. need to have it written in there to know because his motivation was all about himself. Right. It was, I wanted to steal that money, yep. you know? Yep. Judas was there for the accolades, not for the actual Messiah. And this is, this is like, I don't know, I can't remember correctly if this is the event that Judas turns and decides to, like, makes that decision to go against Jesus. I'd have to read the other gospel accounts to make sure. But this is a key event for Judas in making that decision to betray him. Yeah. And then Jesus comments that Mary understands what... The rest of the disciples do not. That Jesus' death was coming. It is imminent now. Yeah, it's interesting to see the uh, life of Mary and Martha and their conversations with Jesus throughout, like what we've seen, you know, so far. Right. Right, and how, um, and obviously knowing some of the other stories from the other Gospels. Yeah. But, um, just like their walk with the Lord and, you know, sometimes they're feeling like, oh, I understand what's going on. And then other times they're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so same concept here is Mary understands, whereas other parts, she doesn't always. She doesn't, right. Like with, with, with Lazarus dying. Yeah, you know, she didn't understand. There was um, a lot of, oh, I don't I don't really get what's happening. Yeah. But, um, but with this particular account, she gets it. Yep. She does. And then we see in verses 9 through 11, the plot of the Pharisees thickening even more, right? Jesus had created this public relations problem in the last chapter, raising Lazarus. Now crowds are learning about this. They're starting to come to see Jesus, to see Lazarus, the man who was resurrected. And this results in a plan to kill Lazarus along with Jesus. Yeah, because Lazarus was, you know, people were believing because of Laz the He's account a, of Lazarus. A walking testimony. Yeah. You know? So it's pretty amazing. It is. <laughs> but they they then turn tide and now they want to kill both of them. Yeah. They want Jesus and Lazarus. You know out. what I think of the Pharisees? Okay, so it's gonna sound silly, but you know the movie Inside Out, you have the you have anger. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the yeah. emotions living inside the girls. Yeah, head. and you know like the anger one and how yeah. he's like slowly it's like a it's like a <laughs> a tea kettle. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Like, you know, and yeah. then then eventually they just explode. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Anyway, 
I just that's what I vision. I mean, them they like. kind of you're you're kind of not wrong because they start off their messianic investigation by just observing. They just slowly then they observe and ask questions, more and, more angry. and then they start picking up stones to throw at Jesus, and now they want to kill Jesus and Lazarus, and then eventually they'll explode and they'll actually kill him. Yeah, but even then, you can see so through the other parts of the New Testament, they're they're still angry. Yeah, <laughs> things are still not going their way, but. That's a different. Yeah. Anyway. Then we get into uh, 12 through 19, thus beginning a new day. Verse 12, the next day, day two in this chapter. And an interesting thing to note about this day that we're talking on here the day that Jesus walks in on the triumphal entry on a donkey is also the same day that the Passover lamb would be set aside for the flock. So it's it's just a very interesting picture to have Jesus, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world, being presented in the same similar fashion as how the Passover lamb is being presented. Yeah. I think that's really amazing too. It is. And then verse 15 being a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 and the disciples not understanding this, but that they will later. This is a very common theme, I think, we've picked up on a number of times, that the events that are happening, the disciples don't understand in that moment, but they will understand later. I think also that's a good way to, uh, like, it's another good application, to you know, yeah. where we don't always understand what's going on in our life, but the Lord a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times will make it clear later in our life why something happened the way it did. Right. Which I find comforting. Yeah, so. sometimes. It's not comforting well, going through it, but. Oh no, I mean like after the fact. Right. It's comforting to know after the fact. Yeah. But again, that's not for every situation, but right. still can be applicable. Yep. And then verses 17 through 18, we have the crowd that's watching this whole thing happen. This is the same crowd that would have seen Lazarus being raised from the dead. And I think that's why they respond in the way that they respond. They've already seen this miracle. They, well, I mean, they saw the blind man, right, the man who was born blind, being healed, because they comment about that in the last chapter. Mm -hmm. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead, and now they're, a lot of them are coming to faith, and they're like, no, this is, this is the Messiah. I mean, it's, it has to be. Uh, most of most of them are coming to that conclusion. Although there are some that are in the crowd that are there out of curiosity. Yeah. What's going on type thing. And as the crowd grows, the Pharisees are besides themselves, right? They can't they can't say or do anything to affect the crowd. They're just acting because of how Jesus has been doing miracles. Right. brings us down into verses 20 through 36 where we have some Gentiles now stepping into the scene. These are Gentiles who probably would have witnessed everything that has just happened. They are in the uh, temple area. Now uh, if you remember back a while ago when we talked about Jesus flipping the tables in the temple there would have been a section of the temple just for the Gentile converts to come and worship. 
And so they're there, and they want to speak with Jesus. So they go to get Philip, Philip goes to get Andrew, and then both of them go to Jesus to see what he would say. Now, I thought it was interesting that Jesus, in his response, he doesn't directly answer their question. He kind of, like, tiptoes around it, but he does answer it. The reason that the Gentiles had to go through the two disciples to get to Jesus is because the way, again, the way the temple was set up, the Gentile area, the Jewish area, it would have been a penalty of death for a Gentile to cross that line. Right, to go into the Jewish, uh, where the Jews would worship. Exactly. So that's why they have to go around to get to Jesus. But then in his indirect response, he says that this is the hour that the Son of Man should be glorified and that it is not yet for them. They eventually will come to faith in the Messiah, but it will be after his death. So you have in Jesus' response, he says that he who loves his life will, will lose it and he who hates his life will keep it to eternal life. He's giving a decision at this point. Because the way that the word to love something and to hate something are used most commonly is to choose or not to choose. Are you going to choose your life in doing so you will lose it? Or are you going to choose to lose your life thereby gaining eternal life? Again, he's, he's saying that are you going to choose me? Are you going to choose eternal life or are you not? Uh, So just um, after that, um, in verse 27, I think to 28, which reads, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Before this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So we see, again, Jesus' soul is troubled. He knows what he has to do, right? He's aware of it. But even in Jesus' troubled state, he goes to God the Father. And I love that because it is a good reminder for us in our struggles to go to God the Father, right? To take our struggles to to him. That doesn't mean our struggles are going to go away, right? Jesus' struggle didn't go away. No, it didn't. It's still there. And that doesn't mean ours will go away. But it doesn't mean, I mean, we have him with us, you know? Yeah. It was a good way to apply What's going on in this this conversation? Mm -hmm. I also really thought that the way that the father responded to Jesus, right, that wasn't for Jesus. It was for everyone. It was for the people that were hearing. And the way they heard it was also... Interesting. Yeah. So they, what did they, somebody said it could have been an angel. Somebody heard like thunder. Thunder. Yeah. Um, It makes me wonder if they actually heard the words or not. Yeah. Right, or and the ones who just, said it was thunder are just like, no, nah, those are the Pharisees. Right, so it must, the they must have heard. They must have heard. They heard because it said an angel has spoken to him, so they must have yeah. heard the words. But maybe the ones that heard the thunder didn't actually. You know, I wonder if it's a heart thing. I it don't could know. be. Like if their hearts are in the right place and they could hear it, and right. But the ones that are a little more hardened, yeah, yeah, um, didn't hear anything. Didn't, just heard the thundering and was like. That was nothing. (laughs) But it was for the sake of the people there, though. Yeah. It's cool to see throughout the whole book, even, that right everything that Jesus does is not 
for himself. It is for everyone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's the one who glorifies the Father. And then one of the big themes, underlying themes of John is the faith building that he has with others. Yeah. Faith building conversations that he has with others. Yeah. Now, I noticed in, in this section that Jesus points up out four different things about his death and resurrection. In verses 24 and 25, he says that by his death, he provides life. And then in verse 31, his death will judge the world, right? You either believe in him and receive forgiveness or you don't believe in him and you receive judgment. Verse 32, by his death, he will defeat Satan, right? A call back to Genesis 3, mm-hmm. right? You will bruise his heel, he will crush your head. And then in verse 32, that only after his death can the Gentiles freely come to him. And this verse 32 being that answer, that indirect answer to the the Greeks' question. Right. Jesus speaking, verse 32, he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And then verse 34, you have the people questioning this. Right. We heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can the Son of Man be lifted up? They understand that Jesus is saying that he will die. However, they have the wrong understanding of who Messiah is. And that goes back to the Pharisaic teaching of the Messiah. The Pharisees would teach that there would be two Messiahs. Mm-hmm. They would teach that there would be one Messiah who would come silently. They called him Messiah, son of Abraham, and he would die. That's how they explained away passages like Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. And then that there would be a second Messiah who comes, the Messiah, son of David, who would be this king, who would come to save them and bring in the messianic kingdom. What they didn't consider is one Messiah coming two times. And that's what Jesus is, the one Messiah who comes twice. And then we get into John providing us a summary of the Messiah's ministry in verses 37 through 50. John summarizes Israel and their unbelief, pointing to this being a fulfillment of prophecies from Isaiah, both Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah 53. Yeah, I love that it jumps, again, I know I said this in a previous video, but it goes back to the Old Testament, Oh yeah. right? And it's just showing you how you can't have one without the other. You can't. And really, I would encourage you to, when we're done with this, go and read Isaiah 53, especially if you haven't in a couple of days. That is a very awesome passage. And a lot of people find Messiah because of Isaiah 53. They find that it does refer to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, Then we see in verse 39 that those who do not believe are by choice. Right? In the Greek, it literally reads, they choose not to believe. They are have, those who don't believe have a willful disobedience towards the Lord. And then jumping down to verse 42, talking about the rulers who did not believe, the fact that they did not believe because it would mean a loss in their place in synagogue. Well, what I it is cool to see, though, that some of them did believe. Yes. Right? Because we read so much throughout the book and we're like, um, they're not believing, they're not believing. But in this particular verse, it does say, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Yep. 
But they didn't confess him. Right. Because they were afraid. They were afraid they would lose their place. They they had more desire for the esteem of men than the esteem of God. Yeah, which it says in, a, in what, the next verse, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I thought, too, like, they're letting fear control them. Yeah, they Right? Are. And again, going back to the application, because I love that. Yeah. Um, but that we also do that, too. Oh, yeah. We allow fear, even as believers, mm-hmm. we sometimes allow fear to take control, and it, then we don't do the things we really want to do because we're, you know, Or we disobey a clear command for the Lord. Right. Right? If God has told you to do something and you don't do it out of fear, right? you're acting in that willful disobedience. Yeah. The motivation always has to come from the Lord, and then we have to act out, you know, whatever we're supposed to be yep. doing. I thought that verse was really convicting, the, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, I, I'm sure I do that sometimes. I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Then we get into the final words that Jesus speaks in verses 44 through 50. Jesus is talking about how he is willfully obedient to the Father's commands, that he came to testify of the Father, that he was sent by the Father, and that he is the light or the Shekinah glory of the Father, and that acceptance in him brings salvation, whereas rejection of him brings judgment by the Father. Not a place I would want to be in. No. Uh, again, as we've said before, examine yourself. Where are you at in your walk with the Lord? Have you accepted Him and brought about salvation in your life? Or are you still in this spot where maybe you're not sure? I would really encourage you to seek the Lord, ask for forgiveness, place your faith in Jesus Christ because He is the only way to receive God's forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. All right, so uh, that wraps up the video for today. So we will see you tomorrow for John chapter 13. Brilliant. All right. See you tomorrow.